following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Woo! Good morning, everybody. Happy Cinco de Mayo Day. I've asked tens of people, not tons, but tens of people in the foyer if they knew what it was and they said no. They were of Hispanic origin and they did not know. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little history lesson today because all America thinks it is, is the fifth is tequila day. <laughs> Let's just go get some tequila, baby. Cinco de Mayo is a May 5th celebration for the Mexican nation, Mexico. Back in 1862, they fought a man named Napoleon who was trying to bring the French government into Mexico and, and, they, and they, they stood their ground at Pueblo, uh, Puebla, Puebla, I won't pronounce it right, Puebla, General Ignacio, Ignacio Zaragoza, Zaragoza, Zaragoza. See, I'm telling you something you don't know, but you're telling me how to pronounce the words, you know. <laughs> and it was a one-day victory. Napoleon did come back. They had more problems with him. So it wasn't, a, they didn't win a war. They won a battle. And they decided to celebrate because Napoleon was just that big of a monster to conquer. And they sent him back to France with his troops and himself with their head bent, knowing that they'd been beat by the Mexican national team. Amen. Isn't that awesome? They're warriors. All right. So, happy Cinco de Mayo Day. I will eat lasagna today. It's what my wife cooked. So, I normally, I normally eat a burger, but I'll eat, I'll eat uh, lasagna today. So, that's, that's wonderful. I feel good about that. Now, I'm glad I explained that to y'all. I can preach now. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk today just a little bit. We welcome all of our people viewing online and uh, thank you. We're also streaming on Wednesday night now. We're happy about that. But that doesn't mean you stay home and watch Pastor preach or watch Brad preach or watch uh, Brother Phil preach. Don't you do that. We want you in the house of God. Things happen here. One person came up to me and said, Pastor, we listened to it Wednesday night because we got home late. They live a long way away from the church about... 35-minute drive and said, we just decided to stay home. So we tuned in and said, it was wonderful. We love the praise, the word, but said, it's not like being there. And it's not. So you need to be here. Show up and be in the house of God. We're talking today about miracles. I just feel like talking about miracles. And, uh, you know, you know, we live in an age of, of miracles. I'm just going to give you a little pretext to this. There's so many that occur so often that we tend to take miracles for granted. You could say amen to that. When one gets well from a serious illness, we say his recovery was a miracle. When someone walks away from a plane crash or a car wreck, we say, wow, that was miraculous. God gave him a miracle. I read about a woman who sent a friendship card to her husband with this message, you love me, exclamation point. Will miracles never cease? You got it a little better in the first service. I won't use it in the third service because that was horrible. That was a horrible... Every day, everybody say every day, we experience miracles. I, I, I come to the church on Saturday, and, and I'm telling you this because I, I love to be alone on Saturday. 
and I like my quiet time with the Lord. And uh, I came up here yesterday, and I was going to spend about five hours with God. And, and uh, I, I turned my computer on, and instead of it being like this straight up, it was tilted. It was turned one quarter to the right. So I was trying to read my computer like this. And I finally gave it up. And so I, I, I told, called Jerry, and he said, Dad, I'll fix it tomorrow. And so when I got here this morning, before I could talk to him, I talked to Matt. Matt's back there running the, the overheads for me today, and Matt's a computer genius. And he said, Pastor, I can fix that. So he comes into my office, and I'm thinking, we're going to have to lay hands on this computer. We're going to have to rebuke the devil out of this computer. We're going to have to. And he pushes one button, and it just goes right back right. And I said, what did you push? <laughs> what did you push? And he showed me again. I said, that's all it took? So this is a miracle. Not the people that made it, but the fact that I can operate it. It's a miracle. I've dropped it twice. It has two cracks in it. I'm not going to get a new one because it doesn't mean that much to me. I'm not Facebook. I'm not Instagram. And I don't care what happened 20 years ago. I'm in the now, right now. Oh, clap your hands at that. That's good stuff. I love what, I love what uh, Dr. Scott Peck said. He said when he graduated medical school, he said he was certain there was no miracles, no such thing as miracles. But he said today I'm certain that miracles abound. He said Jesus performed miracles and he's still performing miracles today. And even though he's a psychiatrist, he believes that. There's people that show up at Lord's. It's a Catholic church in the thousands, five to 10,000 strong on crutches and wheelchairs hoping for a miracle of healing. There's a place in Germany where water flows, where a young boy was healed of blindness and a 70-year-old man was healed of arthritis immediately. There's a Catholic church in Lubbock, Texas, my home, my home area, that in 1988... People came to experience the miracle of Virgin Mary's appearance with a message. They said a Virgin Mary was appearing there with a message. And so people are looking for miracles. They're looking for miracles. And I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. I really, really do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. It's been in my heart since Saturday a week ago. We saw some miraculous things happen here at our Freedom Conference. Some miraculous things. 116 people signed up for our miracle conference. And it was just so awesome. The beauty of the release and the things that were taken away from them and the way that they got the victory and the freedom over some things that were holding them bound. And then 55 people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit last Saturday. And it's just, we baptized 65 people last Sunday. I'm sorry I was gone. Maybe y'all do better when I'm out of town. I don't know. But I want you to stand. I, I want to I start this message today just with the idea of miracles and the miraculous. I'm speaking today on the subject, healing at sunset. Healings at sunset. Matthew 8 says, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. I believe in healings in the evening time. I believe in evening time healings. I do not believe that healings have been parked away in some, some storage barn and they're no longer apparent and part of our church and part of the fabric of Christianity. I still believe in miracles. Amen. I still believe in miracles. And so today, 
I want to talk to you about it just a little while. I'll turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the, pa- help the pastor and you may be seated. I won't keep you long. We live in the, in the sunset of time. I believe with all my heart that the coming of the Lord is very near. You can't watch the news or look at what's going on around us and not understand that. But the Bible said in the last days, God wishes to pour out his spirit upon all flesh, all flesh. He desires to save. He desires to deliver. He desires to heal. There will be healings at sunset. One of the great miracles that God has given this church just recently is a, is a couple with three wonderful little boys. And they're with us today in service. This is their first Sunday here. And they're not sitting together, so I'm going to ask Philip to stand. I'm going to ask Andrea to stand, Andrea to stand, Annie. Would you stand up over there? You got the baby? You got little Houston? Oh, he's asleep. This is Philip and Andy Daigle. Would you welcome them? Would you welcome them? They're going, to be, they're going to be wonderful, wonderful people. The reason I call them a miracle, they were raised in a church all their life. And they decided when we asked them to come that they would like to come and be a part of Christian Life Church in Austin. And that's a miracle. Amen. And their pastor agreed. So that's another miracle. Amen. Spirit-filled churches trace their roots to a common teaching of healing in the atonement. What I mean by that, when spirit-filled experience was reborn in the 20th century, every major spirit-filled fellowship accepted this teaching. The vicarious suffering of Jesus Christ paid not only for the salvation of our souls, but also for the healing of our bodies and our mind. Healing was in the atonement. Salvation was in the atonement. Isaiah 53 said, with his stripes, we are healed. Matthew 8, we just read it, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. In our communion that we took last Wednesday night, we drink the fruit of the vine, which represents cleansing blood. We also eat the bread, which represents his broken body, lifted at Calvary. See, his blood is for our sins. His broken body is for our healing. Amen. There were 39 stripes placed on his back, the traditional punishment of a condemned prisoner. However, the Journal of American Medical Association several years ago published an article that traced the world's diseases to 39 root sources or 39 categories. If this is right, then there was one stripe for each class of disease known to man. God does his work right. With his stripes, we are healed. There's none of you can raise your hand and say, wow, I've got something that I don't think God can heal. I've got something in my body, in my mind, my spirit that I don't think God can take. No, there's nothing that you have that he can't heal. There's nothing that possesses you that he can't take out of your life. He is the healer. Come on now. He's a healer with his stripes. We're healed. Modern medicine indirectly acknowledges this. The symbol of medicine today is a serpent on a staff. Some would say it hails back to Achilles, the Greek god of healing. Yet it goes further back than that. In the wilderness, when the Israelites were afflicted by venomous vipers and poisonous snakes, Moses lifted up the brazen serpent on a pole and he shouted these words, Look on this and live. Look on this and live. And when they looked, they lived. Jesus said that just as Moses lifted 
this brazen serpent that he too would be lifted up, John 3, 14 through 16. The rule now is not look and live, it's believe and live. Believe and live. They looked and live and we believe and live. I want everybody in this house to agree with me that God is a miraculous God. He's a miracle worker in our life. This is our life. This is our breath. This is our hope. This is our faith. This is our everything. If God can do anything, folks, he can do everything. Hallelujah. If he can touch that finger, he can touch this mind. If he can heal my foot, he can heal my cancer. If he can touch me, he can heal me. God is a healer and this healer is alive and well today. In 1905 in Houston, Texas, a revival broke out one day from a healing. Mrs. Dulhaney, she was a socialite, was hit by a streetcar downtown Houston. And her case was in the courts and the papers for about two years and it made headlines almost daily. And one day she was invited downtown, folks, to Bryan Hall to hear a preacher from Kansas named Charles Parham. I've got his picture. I like his stash. He prayed and she was healed. She was healed. And the healing stirred up such a tremendous amount of interest that a wonderful black man named William Seymour, I got his picture, would experience this revival and later go to Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. And if you know anything about spirit-filled life, you'll hear about Azusa Street. The list of healings there was mind-boggling. 24-hour-a-day services, baptizing people at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, Holy Spirit and healing falling all the time. However, however, listen, Jesus said in the last days that the church would do greater works than this. In other words, what he's saying, the closer you get to the coming of the Lord, the greater the miracles are going to be in the house of God and in the city where I dwell. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. I do not believe this church is going to leave here on a cane with a limp and a wimp. I believe we're going to leave here with a stout shout. Amen. We're going to walk out of here saying God is still a healer and he's still in the healing business. There shall be light in the evening time. There will be healings at sunset. Story in Mark chapter 9. In fact, this was the first message I ever preached in my life in God. It was awful. It was God awful. <laughs> Jesus comes off a transfiguration mountain and a man has a son possessed with a demon there at the bottom of the mountain. And the disciples that Jesus left there, all eight of them couldn't do, or, uh, all nine of them couldn't do anything about this young man. And the man said, Lord, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And Jesus said, if you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Jesus hit him with such a thunderous truth that he couldn't handle it because he lived in the center of this dilemma most of his son's life. The boy had been throwing himself in the fire, throwing himself in the water. But I'm here to declare something. It does not matter who you are. Listen to me. If you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. But pastor, I don't really live a good life. If you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. But pastor, I've had trouble believing and doubting. If you can believe, 
All things are possible to them that believe. Anytime Jesus says that, it doesn't matter if you think you're here on the social ladder, here on the education ladder, here on the life ladder, here on the job ladder. When you have faith in God, all things are possible to them that believe. Somebody help me preach right now. All things are possible. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Genesis chapter 1 starts it all. Chapter 1, six times on six days. It says this, the evening and the morning were the same day. So what he was saying was what God did in the morning at creation, he'll do in the evening before he comes. Genesis chapter 8 Noah brought the dove into the ark and it was at evening time. And the dove had an olive branch in its mouth. The dove is a type of the spirit, but it had an earthly manifestation in his mouth, which meant that Noah was fixing to see a miracle and get out of that boat he had been in 150 days. Here's what I want to tell you. There's trouble and trials in a lot of people's lives, but there's a dove landing in your, in your heart with earthly manifestation in his mouth saying, you're going to come out of that dilemma. You're going to come out of that doldrum. You're going to come out of that storm. You're going to come out of that pain. You're going to come out of that heartache. You're going to come out. Oh, let let me preach right now. God's about ready to bring you out. First Kings chapter eight, it was Elijah's evening sacrifice that brought the fire down on Carmel. And Ezra chapter nine, verse five, he declares, Ezra declares that he rose up from his heaviness in the evening. Matthew chapter 14, Jesus does his first mass miracle at evening time, feeding the 5,000. And during the Holocaust, children were given bread to cause them to sleep without anxiety because when they held that bread in their hand, it gave them a promise of something that would be there tomorrow. They would have a tomorrow. Let me acknowledge something. People get sick. They do. Even saved people get sick. People die. They do. Even saved people die. I'm not preaching that doctrine. But I also will acknowledge that a merry heart does good like a medicine. There's some people that if you'd quit pouting so much, you'd quit hurting a little bit. Why don't you just open up your mouth and just start getting happy a little bit? Come on. Hey, you're alive today. Get happy about that. Hey, you're in church today. Get happy about that. Hey, God loves you today. Get happy about that. Your kids may have forsaken you, but God loves you. And there's a pastor that's preaching to you that loves the fire out of you today. Get happy about that. Happiness brings healing. Happiness equals health. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And the joy of the Holy Spirit inside our lives keeps us not only from sin, but it also gives us strength within. Say strength within. I believe modern medicine does a lot of great things. It has helped people, cured people. I take medicine for certain things. Luke was a physician. He wrote the third gospel, the third synoptic gospel. He also wrote the book of Acts. That was the Acts of the Apostle, the miracles, the signs and wonders of the Apostles. Medicines minister to people, saved and lost. I love the doctors in our church. We've got some of the wisest, smartest physicians in this church, and I love every one of them. They're awesome. We have several. Yet they will all acknowledge, and they've all made this statement to me, that all good things come from the one that alone is good, and that is God. 
medicines do good because God permitted medicines to do good. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of light in whom is no variable or shadow of turning. Many people today are healed by what we call placebos, water pills. My mama took some of those before she died and she got to feeling so good and they were nothing but placebos. But she had faith in those placebos. Hear me, if you can have faith in a placebo, you ought to have faith in the God of heaven that's able to do exceeding abundantly above that you're able to ask or think. Come on now, somebody needs to clap your hands and say, I still believe, I still believe, I still believe, I still believe. Somebody needs to put your faith in God. Many problems are less physical than they are spiritual and emotional, and that's true. Here's an interesting stat. I love this. (laughs) Regular worshipers live 10% longer, one statistic said, than those who never attend church. Life expectancy for weekly church goers is 82, 83 years old. Non-church goers, 75. Hey, you want eight more years on your life? Come to church. By the way, we're having church tomorrow night. Let's let's live to be 85. (laughs) I'm teasing. I love church. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I'm happy to be in the house of God today because God's in his house. And when God's in his house, it's a good house to be in. Come on, clap your hands good and big and say, we will be in God's house. Now, I got news for you. We're all going to die someday if the Lord tarries. It's appointed that a man wants to die. We will die of something. I guess it's better than dying of nothing. But also know and proclaim that God heals. I believe that we have been conditioned to give up too early on God. God is a last resort rather than a first option. And we give up on him. I'm going to give you three little points today that I'm going to let you go. Point number one, it's God's will to heal you. It's God's will to heal you. The Bible said it's not his will that any should perish. It's God's will to save you. But it's God's will to heal you. God desires to do that. He never turned anyone away by saying, you know what? It's not the will of God for you to be healed today. But the opposite is true. A leper came to him in Mark chapter 1 and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I am willing be clean. A paraplegic man must have been embarrassed, was dropped through a roof by four of his friends and lowered into Jesus' presence and missed all those skeptical Pharisees. And Jesus said, I'm going to heal this man. I'm going to do that. And they said, which is easier, to heal him or to forgive his sins? And Jesus forgave his sins and then healed him. And he healed him because he wanted to show that he could forgive his sins and heal him. Ancient skeptics, folks, knew Jesus could heal, but they doubted he'd forgive sins. Modern skeptics know Jesus can forgive sins, but they doubt he can heal. Can I declare to you, old skeptics, old skeptics, he can forgive sin. New skeptics, he can still heal. He hadn't gone out of the healing business. He hadn't gone out of the saving business. And I'm here to proclaim it right now. Jesus is a healer. And he's going to do some mighty works in the last days at sunset in this world. Clap your hands and say amen to that. See, to say his name, folks, is to admit that he saves and that he heals. Names like Carpenter and Baker and Smith, figure those out. They were tied to their original occupations. They became known by the work they did. And God is the same. He really is. He's called Jehovah Rapha because he heals people in the earth. 
He's a healer. The name Jesus means Jehovah has become my salvation. Everything that Jehovah was or is can be found in Jesus Christ. Everybody say he's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning. He's the ending. And he's everything in the middle. Number two, when God heals, when people confess and believe on him. Now, listen to me. You got to get this. When a person desires forgiveness, he must confess and he must believe when he seeks forgiveness. When a person wants healing, he has to confess and he needs to believe. Sickness is a result of sin. Adam and Eve sinned and so therefore sin and sickness entered the world. Our bodies are prone to be sick. We cannot say, however, that each sickness is caused by that person having sin because Jesus found a man born blind in John 9 and the disciples said, who sinned, Jesus? He or his parents that he was born blind and Jesus said, neither. Well, why was he born blind? And Jesus said, so that the glory of God could be revealed in this world. And I want to say something to you. It's not the fact that you are a sinner or you have sinned. You were born into a sin world. This world is a sin world and it adapted itself to you. And so sin brings death. And so it brings death and health and in sicknesses and in problems. But I know one that came out of the grave victorious and resurrected and he's the battler of that and if you confess with your mouth and believe that he can heal you it doesn't matter what your name is it doesn't matter where you went to school it doesn't matter what kind of job you have you can be healed in the name of Jesus yes sir hallelujah hallelujah Now, an alcoholic whose liver's been destroyed might say, you know, I might have messed up. A chain smoker whose lungs have been eaten away said, you know, I might have sinned. Miriam, stricken with leprosy when she rebelled against her brother Moses, God healed her when she confessed her failure and believed God. God cleaned her up. It don't matter what you've done. Oh, I'm preaching to you right now. It don't matter what you've done. I'm giving you a now word. There's going to be healings at sunset. And there's no sense in you missing out on yours. David praised God for being a forgiver and a healer. Psalms 103, 2 and 3, the middle two verses of the whole Bible. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Woo, he's got some. He forgives all of our iniquities and heals all our diseases. Everybody say all. All. Everybody say all. All All iniquity, all diseases. He didn't say some. He said, I can get them all. Because with your stripes, with his stripes, you are healed in the name. His order is proper. When God's people repented in Jeremiah's day, the Lord said, I'll restore health to you. I'll heal you of your wounds. You need to believe that. Don't limit Jesus. This is not Nazareth, folks. This is not Nazareth. This is Austin. And Austin needs a healing. And Austin needs a church that still believes in healing. I am so tired of healing being stored away and put on a bookshelf and a shelf life going away and say, you know, God just don't do that anymore. Yes, he still does. And as long as there's breath in my body, I will be preaching that this God is a healing Savior. He's a healing Savior. He's a healing Savior. Have faith. And thirdly, and I will close in just a moment, thirdly, is that healings will increase in the last days. 
Healings will increase in the last days. Jesus came off the mountaintop. He had been praying. And he came down from the mountain and he healed one person after another. And as the evening came, people brought those even possessed mental problems sick to him. And Jesus delivered them and he healed them. And he healed as the night came on and he healed as the sun was setting. And in those waning moments of time, God desired to do something special for those people. Most of the time, everybody's strength is gone by then. Most of the time, everybody's ready to go home, eat a good supper and go to bed after they watch gun smoke or whatever they watch. God, that's old, isn't it? That's old. I still watch reruns. But you know what? In the evening time is when there's going to be light. And that light's going to shine as the noonday sun because God is going to do great things, mighty things, marvelous things here and in churches that preach the miraculous power of Almighty God. One miracle can fill this house. One miracle can shake this city. It did in Houston, Texas in 1905. And thousands and millions came to know the Lord because a streetcar hit a woman who was healed by the man of prayer. God is in the healing business. I want to read you a little scripture, and then I'm going to tell you a story, then I'm going to, I'm going to pray over you today. Exodus 32 and 32, I love this. It's the only place in the Bible where there's a blank in the Bible. There's a blank space in the Bible. Exodus 32 said, but now if you will forgive their sin, blank, semicolon. But if not, wipe me out from your book that you have written. In other words, Moses is saying, (laughs) I believe in you so much that I know you'll forgive sins and you'll do your healing work with these people. But I want to tell you, if you don't, just wipe my name out. I don't want to be called one of your kids if you can't do what I've told people you can do. And I'm going to put the name of the blank that was not filled. I know what goes in that blank. Jesus goes in that blank. Moses couldn't call his name. Moses didn't know. He was so frustrated. He couldn't even call the name. He just... He just probably threw a blank out there. But I know the name of the blank. And it doesn't matter what blank is in your life, Jesus can fill that void. It doesn't matter what blank is in your spirit, Jesus can fill that void. It doesn't matter what blank is in your health, Jesus can fill that void. I'm telling you right now, the healer is in the house right now. He's in the house right now. I share with you a beautiful story. A beautiful story. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is in Mark chapter 8. Jesus goes into a town called Bethsaida. He goes into that town and he finds a blind man. Now stay with me. He finds a blind man in that town. But Jesus doesn't perform that miracle in that town. He takes that blind man out of that town because Bethsaida was known to be a negative energy city, energy city of the presence of God, a negative place. And so Jesus takes him out of that town. And when he gets him out of that town, this kind of sounds gross. I'm going to make it as as good as I can for all those watching that are maybe eating lunch right now and watching. But he spits, I'm going to say, into his hands. And he puts that spittle on that man's eyes. It was known to have a medicinal cure. 
And when he put that spittle on that man's eyes, he said, what do you see? And the man said, I see men as trees. I see men as trees. Lord, I can see. I can see, but it's not what I want to see. I was blind. Now I see men as trees walking. But Lord, I just think that maybe you can do better than trees. Are you with me? Some of you people are stuck somewhere in the middle of God speaking to you and God's fulfillment in your life. And all you see is tree. You, I call it miracle a stigma. You're seeing things double. You've you're, you got a little diplopia. You've got a little ptosis. You've got some double vision. You see things not clearly. You see things. You're not blind anymore. You understand that God touched you. You understand that he's there for you, but you're not seeing like you want to see. But I declare, there was another touch coming. There was another touch coming. Jesus wasn't finished. I call the first touch the morning touch. I call the last touch the evening touch. Hallelujah. He touched him again and said, what do you see? He said, I see clearly. Here's what I want to tell you. Some of you are on the cusp of an evening touch, an evening miracle from God. And God wants to complete that miracle in your life. He's touched your life. He's brought you out of a world of darkness. He saved your soul. He's put you on the rock. He's established your going. But now he wants you to have another touch and see clearly the beauty of what he has for you in your family and in your life. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God, let us finish. You know, when I was a kid, Randy, if you'll help me. When I was a kid, I never tried out for the cheerleading team. When I went to college, I didn't, I didn't cheer. I, I wasn't a cheerleader. Now, if I went to A&M, I might have. That looks pretty cool. Looked like all the Yale leaders there got the girls. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just messing with you. I'm 69 years old. That's just. But anyhow, I feel like a Yale leader today. I feel like I'm trying to tell you folks. Do you see what's happening in this world? There's a Jesus that can perform a miracle in your life to take you through the things that want to destroy you and give you a victory like you've never known in your existence. It's called miracles at sunset. He wants to bless you with miracles today. And there's no sense in stopping in the middle. There's no sense in stopping and saying, you know, I've got all I want. No, you you may have got all you want. You don't have all you need because you need something to complete what God has started in your life. And he said, I'm able to complete that, that I've started. So would you stand all over the building and clap your hands for the word today? Would you do that? Would you do that? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's not for me. That's for the word. That's for the word. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want somebody here today that says, Pastor, you know what? You know what? I've got 
I feel like I'm, I'm in the middle of something here. And I think if I could just get one more touch, if I think if I could just get that second touch, that, that evening miracle, that miracle at sunset, if I could just get that in my life, I think I would be a complete whole person. But I want that. I want to reach that. So bow your heads. Nobody looking. I want you to raise your hand if you're in that position. That Pastor, I just need to be complete today. I need to have a completeness in my life. Here we go. All over the building. Come on. I see you in the balcony. I see you. Your hands are raised. Oh, I love the honesty of this church. I love the integrity and the honesty of this church. That's going to bring blessings in your life. Integrity, honesty uprightness. Now put your hands down. Now I want everybody in the building now. Throw your hands up with everybody. Come on, everybody raise your hands so nobody's embarrassed. And I want to bless you. Dear Father, in the name of the Lord, you understand God that these people are standing here and Lord, we may not have the time for all of them to come and gather like we do on a Wednesday night but God, I believe with everything that's in me that you can do something right where they stand right now. In the name of Jesus, Bring a miracle to their life. Bring a miracle to their home. Bring a miracle to their marriage. Bring a miracle to their job. Bring a miracle to their schooling situation. Bring a miracle to their health. Bring a miracle to their physical body. Bring a miracle to their mind. Bring a miracle to their emotions today. In Jesus' name, bring a miracle, Lord, and remove the yesterday from their life. Bring a miracle and give them hope for tomorrow. Let them understand, God, that you are a God of miracles today. And you are a God that does miracles at sunset. And it doesn't matter how late it is. It doesn't matter if the sun's going down. It doesn't matter if people are older. It doesn't matter if people feel like they've been battling so long that it's not even worth it anymore. Let them understand that you're in the house today to do something awesome for them. And do it in the name of Jesus. Come down on every person here today and bless them at evening time. Bless them, Lord, as the sun's going down today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Clap your hands and say, I receive that, Pastor. Come on, I receive that. 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 Hallelujah. I want you to walk out of here today. Believe in what you have heard. Don't let hell take away this word. Don't let hell take away this word. Let it go on good soil. Let the word sink into good soil today and believe that God will, can, and will do anything. If you believe, just ask him and he'll do it. Sing us out of here, kids. I love all of you. Be blessed today. May the favor of God be on you. I'll see you Wednesday night. You're awesome people. I love you from the bottom of my heart. Have a super day. Have a super day.